Welcome to the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast. I'm Teresa Wiedrich, Homeschool Life Coach at Capturing the Charm Life. I'm dedicating this season of the Homeschool Mama Self-Care Podcast to the overwhelmed homeschool mama. Because you'd rather be clear, confident, and satisfied in your homeschool and life, not overwhelmed. This season is for you if you know that your homeschool experience is pretty typically frustrating on most days. It's for you if you know that the way you homeschooled last year is not the way you want to homeschool next year. Or maybe you think that this homeschool thing is wonderful, except for you having to deal with your level of frustration in a particular aspect. Well then, this podcast season is for you. Today we're going to talk about growth mindset for homeschoolers. We're going to talk about how we can indeed change our brains. We can continue to grow, create new pathways, also known as neural pathways, so that we can interact with our kids on purpose. We can change our old patterns. We're going to have a chat with Jenny Mouse, an author of Brian the Brain Storybooks, that discusses all the different elements of the brain and how it's useful for us to understand them so that we can incorporate growth mindset in our homeschools. And in response to the conversation with Jenny, I've decided that my fixed mindset alter ego's name is Teshi, an African name which means cheerful, full of laughter, because usually our fixed mindset alter ego's notions, their thoughts, their natural tendencies compel us to trouble, unhappiness and dissatisfaction, and we're moving toward a growth mindset, we're likely to laugh at our fixed mindset alter ego. After you've listened to this episode, I want to hear what your fixed mindset alter ego's name is too. So today I get to introduce you to Jenny Meisner, also known as Jenny Mouse online and in her publishing world. Jenny studied in a child and youth program that focused on developmental psychology During Jenny's first psychology class, she discovered tricks to help improve the way she learned. She quickly fell in love with psychology, and she wondered what would have happened if she learned these lessons as a child. Jenny's now the mom of two wonderful kids, aged two and four. She's an online educator and has published two science books for kids to understand their brain. She wants to spread the message that kids can control their future through a growth mindset and homeschool moms too. By teaching them about the brain, she hopes to help them understand that learning has no limits. So let's jump into the recording studio, aka this homeschool mama's closet, and I introduce you to Jenny Mouse. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. You too. Would you introduce yourself to the audience, to the listeners? Sure. Yeah. So I'm Jennifer Meisner. Um, and my, uh, you also might know me as Jenny Mouse. Um, I'm a children's book author and a mom of two. Um, and I've, I'm very passionate about uh, developing a growth mindset um, and learning about the brain, the power of understanding the mind and uh, the flexibility of, of the brain and what it can do. I love all of this discussion because I think it's so formative. <laughs> So uh, you went into developmental psychology into or in your bachelor degree, and then you have subsequently been doing this for a while. And now you have two kids, so you get to watch how it actually manifests in uh, human beings. 
Yeah. And that's, and that's actually really, really interesting because um, I see them hit some of the, you know, stages that I, I learned about and it's like, oh yeah. Uh, you know, like the, the, the way of thinking of little kids is so different than um, of adults and at different stages, it kind of hit different ways of thinking. So like the critical thought process is really interesting to hear them, you know, asking questions and coming up with answers and the kind of answers they come up up with um, and you kind of go, oh yeah, I remember uh, that kind of stage of development. I can see that that uh, kind of matches up with what they're doing right now. Beautiful. Uh, that, that is actually something that I didn't do a lot of work in. I was a registered nurse before, so I did that in my Bachelor of Science in Nursing. But I think it was either in one class or one and a half classes it was incorporated. And since then, and all the things that I've learned about parenting books or through parenting books, developmental psychology or understanding why people are doing what they're doing at the stage that they're doing it helps us put into perspective our children. Absolutely. Yeah, it's huge. So you actually wrote a couple of books that are used for the purposes of children. I'd love to hear you share about those books. Yeah, so the books are um, children's books, they're picture books, and they are scientific. So each one teaches a little mini lesson about the brain. I've written two so far, I'm working on book three. Um, and uh, the first one is um, this a simple introduction to the brain that um, is basically the day in the life of the brain. So you see all the things mm. the brain has to do to keep his person going. He's got a name. His name is Brian the Brain. His person <laughs> is Ryan. <laughs> Love it. And, um, and he comes back in book two to show us uh, the different parts of the brain, take us on a tour to each different part and what it does. Um, the one I'm currently working on, book three, is going to be about brain plasticity. And it's going to um, introduce overcoming challenges and, um, and how the brain changes as we learn. I love that. That is so, so useful. First of all, you're speaking to an audience of people that are connoisseurs of storybooks or picture books, homeschool moms. We're always reading with our kids. And the concept of growth mindset is a pretty popular one, especially with big life journal that's been popularized in the last few years, but also just generally in the, the general culture, the discussion of growth mindset. And so incorporating that with our children, using some of those tools with our children or helping our children understand more about the brain. And for us as moms to look at our kids through that lens is, well, I think it would facilitate more patience is what I really think. Because Absolutely. patience isn't about building patience as much as it is building understanding. Absolutely. And building patience in ourselves too. So tell me, what does that look like? Um, building patience in ourselves or yeah. uh, growth mindset? Yeah, well, the patience. Let's talk about that one yeah. straight up. Sure. Yeah. So um, something I've discovered again and again, my kids are both really young. They're um, aged, uh, well, almost five. And uh, my youngest is two and a half. So um, they're both really young still. Um, very, bu very busy stage, lots yeah. of changes. Mm -hmm. um, I've worked with kids for a long time, but there's, it's a very different when they're your own. <laughs> you don't have a, you know, you, you can't just leave them at the end of the day. Yeah. You don't have the same <laughs> attachment to what the outcome is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've had to relearn things a million times mm -hmm. over with my own kids. Um, they're both very different from each other. So, you know, you think, oh, the first week, I've got, done it with one, shouldn't be too much different with the next one. And then the, the next one surprises you. Yeah. Um, so, so developing a patience for ourselves and our own understanding, our own learning as we approach these different stages with our kids and 
you know, approach different challenges with them, um, especially when some of those challenges might be things we've had challenges with in the past mm -hmm. when we were kids. Um, so it can kind of bring things back up. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, when we have, when we're approaching things ourselves with a growth mindset, then we have a lot more patience for ourselves yeah. in terms of, you know, those changes that are happening. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes we're not um, the parent we thought we'd be in that moment. <laughs> and yeah. we have to understand that that is, you know, that is part of the learning process. And yes. if we, you know, we take the time to learn from it, then it can actually help us, you know, even be better than we thought we could be right with our kids and learn more. Yeah, they definitely teach us. And so when you're speaking about patience with yourself, I think of the word self-compassion. Um, and so learning how to treat yourself with the same kindness that you would theoretically like to treat your children at all times of the day and all times of the week and all seasons of the year. So how do you practically do that? Um, so I think it's something I'm still learning myself because again, I have to relearn all of these things. But I think if you, if you think about almost parenting yourself as a child, as you parent your own kids, because you, the way the brain works is we have these old pathways we create. We create pathways through the brain every time we learn something. Um, and when we come up in certain challenges, some of our old pathways are reactivated. We start yeah. using them again. Um, and some of these things we haven't done since we were kids, that's our last experience was when we were a child. So we might have like frustration that comes up from, let's say, trying to solve math equations again. Like <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. Yeah. Um, and we have to like think almost like, okay, I'm parenting myself as a child to overcome this challenge that I had when yeah. I was this age um, so that I can help my children overcome it as well. So um, a little bit of, uh, yeah, if you imagine that you have another child to take care of and that's yourself in the past um, and you're approaching those challenges along with your children. Um, and it can also be fun to do that too because it can, you know, you can approach this everything with a that childlike wonder Again, along with yes, your children too, right? Yeah, that's the beautiful part. Yeah. Yeah. And then the challenging part is just like you said, those neural pathways that have been established for so long and you act out of them instinctively. And at least my experience, everyone that I love and care for, they don't matter quite the same way as my children in that it really matters to me how I communicate or how I am present with them or not, or how they receive me, even though, despite that, I can still engage and react in ways because that's what I've been taught or that's what I have learned or practiced over the years, those neural pathways being cemented. And so to actually get yourself out of that habit and move towards a different path, how do you do that? That's I think that's the the epitome of growth mindset yeah. or there's a connection there. So tell me what you think. Interrupting this episode to invite you to connect with me. If you'd like someone to walk alongside you as you tackle a homeschool challenge, if you feel overwhelmed, or if you know you don't have a plan for your big emotions, then you can connect with me. If you're a new homeschool mama or an established homeschool mama, I offer one-to-one -one coaching sessions, self-coaching courses, group coaching options, and self-coaching journaling workbooks in all of these areas. And if you haven't yet downloaded the guide to grappling with overwhelm, you can find it and all these resources over at www 
www.capturingthecharmlife.com. Now back to the episode. Absolutely. And that's the amazing thing about the brain is it's really, really plastic, really flexible. Yeah. So you're not mm-hmm. stuck with these pathways. It's not like, you know, that's, you're only going to be taking this pathway th- for the rest of your life. I, and right. I know that because otherwise we would still be acting like we were children, right? We would never right. have progressed um, to be adults. Um, right. Obviously that takes a lot of change throughout our life. Um, so re- repetition, practice, self, uh, like um, self, uh, like speaking to yourself in a positive way mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and recognizing that it does take time for your brain to change are all really important steps. Um, and uh, so like if it's, let's say you're having trouble with math homework, um, it's giving you the space to, to be that frustrated child inside for a moment yeah. um, and, and take, a, take a breath and, you know, use your growth mindset language that you're trying to encourage your kids to use. Well, I can't do this yet, or I'm having trouble with this right now. I need to take a step away um, yeah. and, um, and encourage yourself internally be your own inner cheerleader that you can um, overcome this challenge. Because if you do, then you're building new neural pathways. And because if you keep on using them, they will actually become stronger than the old ones. Um, Our neural pathways that we don't use do get smaller and smaller over time. So if we start Mm -hmm. using a new one, um, we will, they will, it will take over. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does take time. Some studies have shown that it can take quite a long time before we have um, permanent changes in the brain. Um, there was one that was done on uh, children learning. Now I need to re- re- reference this or like look at the study again. But mm-hmm. I believe it was children learning um, a uh, um, Braille, and it took them about six weeks before they really started to um, to under to to hold on to that information permanently. Well, that's interesting, that timeline. I know we've been told so many years that that 28 days is the key to changing a habit. And that seems to be disproved over and over. I'd heard from Dr. Caroline Leaf on her podcast as well. Um, She's a neuro something something psychologist. And she also said uh, that their research shows that it's something like 70 something days. So that's very consistent with what you just said. Yeah. So, and, and I mean, there's a lot of, you know, you really, you need to dive deeper into the studies mm-hmm. to, to see, you know, a bigger picture of what, what's been done in different um, areas. Um, but uh, because it, it different learning is going to take different lengths of time, I would imagine. Right. Yeah. Um, and so and really I mean, a summarizing um, thought for the listeners is that actually it's going to take you a while to change habits. But so then how do you put that practice or what do you do as a practice to make sure that you actually grow or you move towards growth um yeah so so keeping on um like coming back to that and and doing it consistently is really important so Mm -hmm. i mean if you uh you're you know something like math homework you're probably doing almost every day so you're you are doing it consistently with with your kids um especially if you're homeschooling right (laughs) because you're the math teacher (laughs) um but uh if you're if it's something that you're not doing as often um you know visualizing it every day might help. Um, so you making you're making it a habit. 
Um, so really making the effort to keep practicing and doing it. Um, right. If you're yeah. if your kids are practicing and doing it and you practice and do it along with them, that's going to be really helpful. I think we really learn a lot and change a lot as parents because of that fact mm-hmm. that we're yeah. practicing things all the time with our kids. And it's, again, okay. especially when you're homeschooling. That's actually how I learned some pretty basic arithmetic, things that you would have thought I would have learned way back when, because officially I should have. And I had to learn how to do those math calculations when I was a nurse, but I used my calculator and I survived, but that was a little scary to think about that. But I didn't know that basic arithmetic until I had to engage it with my first child. And then I understood the why of what I was doing. And it became much more clear. So I learned that I could actually, the thing that I thought was the scariest thing ever was having to do math. And then I've come to understand, "Mm, not really. It's not, it's pretty black and white. I mean, okay, we're not talking about upper level high school math here, (laughs) but in the beginning stuff was actually pretty basic. And my brain could change if I applied to it. Curiously, the same thing. Um, So that's kind of like a discussion on plasticity because your brain or your brain really can change. But the other thing that I learned um, for six month period, I radically unschooled my kids. So I said, okay, we're just going to let math equations figure themselves out. I am not going to try to solve them. And uh, I won't expect that my kids will either. And I left it and I discovered that math is everywhere. I can't leave it. You actually have to engage it all the time. And when I would go into a, I would say, a pause and just say, I don't want to discuss math, I would discover that my kids would still be always um, encountering things in consumer math. So that would be, you know, obviously, consumerism requires you to figure out tips and percentages and taxes and adding and subtracting and, you know, ratios and fractions and all sorts of things. So I had to figure out or I had to accept that actually it's always present with me there. And it became a little less unnerving, I would say. Yeah, the beauty of uh, world schooling, right? Letting yeah. sometimes, we, sometimes we can just let the world do what it does best and and then step back and facilitate a little bit here and there. So, And for absolutely. me in that, that was about like addressing my fear and being honest about, yes, I have a fear around math, but maybe if I tackle it head on or actually accept that there it is again, and I'm going to go back to it and I can do it, I can figure it out. And then I discovered, oh, it's really not as hard as I thought it was. I just didn't understand the why of it. So yeah, the brain, I, mean, yeah. I mean, that's a big part of growth mindset too, is finding ways that work because yeah. a lot of the times where, you know, we, I mean, I grew up going to um, public school. Yeah, me too. And more learning out of textbooks and learning from the teacher and mm-hmm. um, math was like this really confusing, abstract thing to learn, yeah. especially in the, like the higher levels. Um, and my brain doesn't understand abstract things very well. I need things that are very tangible and physical. So I had a hard time with that topic. But when I see it in the world, I understand it because it's tangible and physical. So um, part of growth mindset is not just trying to power through things and say, I can do it if I try hard enough. It's also trying to flex and find ways that work best for us. Um, I actually had a kind of a funny thing. Like uh, I, when I first became obsessed with growth mindset, um, I was, you know, we were using yet in our household. I mean, we still do. Um, though my son got a little tired of it and started yelling, I don't want to say yet, but I can still see that the, the concept sunk in, whether he wants to say yet or not. Um, so I don't worry too much about that. But, um, I was, uh, I was just joking with my husband saying like, Oh, I, could you get this down for me? I can't reach it. And then he goes yet. 
And I'm like, yes, <laughs> wait until I grow a little bit taller. Um, but, which is not, that's not growth mindset, right? Like, yeah. When you're talking about, like, yeah, you're saying, yeah, for the listeners, you're saying you're adding yet to a statement where I can't do basic arithmetic or I can't do upper level algebra or whatever. I can't do that math. Actually, you can't do it yet. You're adding the yet to the whatever you're declaring yourself not to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Uh, it's called the power of yet. If you yes. Google that, you're going to find a whole bunch of really amazing resources out there. Um, and, uh, and it changes your story because it makes whatever you're tra- struggling with possible. So I would really yeah. encourage you to start using yet for yourself mm. and yes. for your kids too. So yeah, you can do that when as a mom is that I can't keep my patience yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yet. <laughs> when do you exactly. use that? <laughs> yes, all of those are great. <laughs> anytime you have a negative sentence, pretty much. Um, yeah, I can't. Anytime you find yourself saying I can't try and add yet. Um, and sometimes like, you know, I force myself to do it even when I don't want to. Um, So sometimes it's like, you're so annoyed or so upset. And then you, you say the sentence or even in your head, you say the sentence and then it's, and then you, you force yourself yet like you begrudgingly add the word yet and then it's like I always find it calms me down because it's like okay (laughs) I can do this yeah just breathe we're gonna survive this moment (laughs) beautiful yeah yeah and it really is um it's so familiar to me when you're talking about speaking to yourself uh well because at base even when people aren't aware that we're speaking to ourselves we're always speaking to ourselves and it's not always positive in right. fact, if we haven't been self-aware in the past, it's definitely not positive. We just reinforce thoughts, which are the neural pathways, and they just make us feel more shamed, guilted, I don't know, some sort of bad anyways, or not good enough, or I don't know what you would say, but so many different feelings. And actually, instead of looking at those feelings and say, we are shamed or bad or not good enough or whatever, instead it is well, we're not capable to that task yet. So then what does it do? It compels you to say, okay, maybe I should go search something out or search out a discussion with a therapist or a coach, or maybe I should do some reading on this. What can I do next so that I can get to that place of maybe I, I figured it out now? Absolutely. Yeah. And and we're going we're to get back to that, like patience with ourself uh, concept there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So tell me, help me see... Brian's brain in a day. So you spoke about a book for the kids about growth mindset. What do you share with the kids? Yeah. So um, Brian, the brain, it's called Brian, the brain headspace. Mm. Um, and uh, I did not know about the app when I came up with the name. <laughs> I now know it's about brilliant. the app. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not related to the app, but yeah. um, it starts off with uh, Brian showing his home, which is inside a head, um, and uh, showing all of the rooms and all the, th- the different things they do. So there's a room um, that's a gym, na- a gym, uh, gym, and there's like b- balance beams and stuff to show that the brain helps you balance. There's a room that has um, music playing, and it's to show your brain helps you hear. So I mean, move room with a TV to show you that your brain helps you see. Um, so each different part of the the uh, each function of the brain is represented in this um, house uh, that Brian lives in um 
And then you go on a uh, journey to, or you, you follow along with Ryan's day with Brian in control um, as, uh, as Ryan wakes up in the morning and Brian helps him uh, walk down the stairs and not fall over and trip um, as Ryan eats his breakfast and discovers the food is too hot. Um, so, so Ryan has, Brian has to set off an alarm bell to say, Oh, stop eating. It's too hot. Um, so you're encountering all of these normal things that you'd go through during the day and you're seeing that it's the brain that's controlling these, um, these things that's, that's happening. Um, it introduces neurons, um, and that your neurons are your, uh, messengers. Neurons are your brain cells and, um, they are in your brain. They're also in your central nervous system. So they go and in your nervous system. So they, um, go out to all the different parts of your body and they send signals back to your brain. Um, you actually have a very large amount of neurons in your gut, which mm -hmm. is why they call yeah. your gut, your, your, your mini brain yeah. um, or your second brain. So, um, there's a lot of communication going on with your body. Um, and it introduces them to a couple of different, um, brain facts as well, like the size of the brain and, um, you know, everything the brain has to do. Um, and that the brain at the end of the story, the brain puts on dream flicks as Ryan goes to bed to introduce like the importance of sleep. Yes. I love that. I think this is super powerful for parents. There's something I've learned as a homeschool mom is that those picture storybooks, they are useful tools just because they condense really um, maybe higher level concepts and condense it down to very approachable, easy to understand concepts for me and for my kids. I, I love that. When you are speaking about the different areas of the brain, I think often, especially when we're speaking about teaching math or patients, you know, maintaining patients, the amygdala, I want to know about what the room of the amygdala looks like, and also the prefrontal cortex, because what I, in a nutshell, think about the amygdala is the emotion center, maybe that's not really what they would say, but just as an uh, easy way to explain it and the prefrontal cortex is the processed measured thought life or the you know the thought the intentional thought life yeah okay. so that's absolutely. really basic and I'm not sure anybody would actually say yes check that's the way to describe that but well for young kids that is a good way to describe it um it's obviously a lot more complicated than that and yeah. you could spend you know we could spend probably an entire week exploring the amygdala yeah. and the prefrontal cortex um or yeah. more um and and we're you know we're still learning about like like scientists are still or psychologists are still studying the function yeah. of like we the our our level of understanding of what each different part of the brain does and you know the whole extent of it is still in the early stages of yeah. understanding, like a, this is a very, um, like a newer part of medicine or science. Yeah. 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 So, um, and, uh, so yeah, so the basic, like when I'm teaching this to little kids and I explain to little kids, I talk about the amygdala being the, um, security guard or the emotion center. Um, and then your, your prefrontal cortex being the, uh, control center. Mm -hmm. Um, the prefrontal cortex has a lot more than that than just control. Um, but, uh, but for simple terms for little kids to get them started, um, it's a pretty good way to talk about it. Um, and, uh, talking about how they communicate with each other. So your amygdala sends messages to your prefrontal cortex, your prefrontal cortex sends messages back to your amygdala. Um, and you, you know, when your amygdala is acting up or, um, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's 
responsible for more than just anger. I know we we talk about a lot about uh, the amygdala and anger, yeah. <laughs> especially because we're usually when we're talking about the amygdala, we're talking about like emotional intense control. emotions. Yeah. But when your amygdala is like heated, if you're feeling angry or something like that, um, you send those messages to the front of your brain and the front of your brain decides what to do. So it decides, well, is this like, is this my sister has stolen my toy and I you can use my words to get it back? Or is this that there's an emergency going on and I need to get somewhere safe? Um, but the problem is that uh, the, the prefrontal cortex, the front of the brain that's responsible for um, that problem solving, it is very easily tired out when you are hungry. So I, people get hangry, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, t- overtired, when you're not getting the things you need. Um, and with kids, it's still developing. So mm-hmm. you're, you, you're going to notice that, like, especially really little kids just don't have the ability to, they might have the language to say, you know, use their words, but they might not have the ability to use their words. They might um, lash out at that sibling in a mm-hmm. more extreme way than they need to for that, you know, that that thing that's happening. Um, and you can talk to them about, you know, that it's it's like your brain is saying, oh, no, there's a tiger. <laughs> I must protect myself when really it's, oh, my sister's taking my toy. It's not it's not such a big deal. Um so that's kind of the simple way to explain the those the function of that part of the brain, and that's a pretty good way to explain it to to young kids. Um, when I think of the amygdala, I, you're right. I know that it's more than anger, but I know that people do understand it in that context. That when you're feeling angry or impatient, that that part of your brain says alert, 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 or alarm, 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 got to do something instinctively reactive, you know, immediately respond. And then the prefrontal cortex is like, so the amygdala is working so I can take a break. And I don't know if that's really true. Obviously, it's not true because the brain needs to all continue to function. But there isn't a let's be measured about this. And let's, let's consider what the best option to engage is. It's just, nope, just take your hand off the hot stove, or maybe you should back up or grab the kid out of the traffic. You just immediately react. Yeah. So our, our brain is designed to do that when there's an emergency, because we don't really want to stand around considering our options. If our child is in front of a car, (laughs) that's not going to turn out well. Um, so, so our brain wants to go in auto mode. Um, and that's the, that's the role of, of your limbic system, um, which your amygdala is part of. Um, and, but yeah, sometimes we do that. We go into that mode when we don't necessarily need to. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, those neural pathways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, too. If we, like, let ourselves lose control more often, we're going to find it easier to lose control because our we are using that neural pathway more often. Um, so, and if we try and, like, practice and we rehearse staying calm, then we're going to, we're using that neural pathway. And, you know, visualizing things, um, there's been some really cool studies that have shown that visualizing things actually creates pathways in the brain. So right. it doesn't even have to be, you know, in the moment. You can visualize after, you know, when you're lying in bed or something, visualize that situation and going through it in a calm way. And it'll, uh-huh. you'll actually develop those, those pathways. It'll help develop them. They've even have, they've even found that like just thinking about say moving a finger will um, develop muscle mass in that finger. Right. Think about exercising it a bunch of times. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, visualizing can be really, really helpful. Um and uh, and then and then making sure that your needs are met, because as a parent, it's easy for us to get overwhelmed and we tend to uh, yes. or I tend to forget 
things like basic needs, like water. Absolutely. <laughs> like I stay up too late because, yep. you know, there's a lot of chores to get done. Once the kids are in bed, you kind of feel like I have to do all of these things I couldn't get done during the day. Um, and then you so get your quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Remembering that mm -hmm. if we're not getting the sleep and um, food and exercise is another really big one. That one's yeah. probably the easiest one to lay, lay to the wayside because it doesn't feel as necessary as sleep and food. Um, but our brain doesn't function properly if we're not getting exercise. Um, if, we, if we're doing those three things, we're going to be a lot more in control. We're going to be using the front of our brain a lot more um, because our brain is just, it's just designed to not um, work as well if we're not if we're not doing those different things. That's right. That's, that's a beautiful segue into the discussion on overwhelm, because that's what the season is about, is helping homeschool moms address overwhelm. And so for me, when I was thinking about what we would speak about, one of them is that we, I think overwhelm is really very foggy. It doesn't mean anything in particular, other than you're not really sure how you're feeling or you're not really sure what's going on, but too much is going on. And so working towards self-awareness or in building self-awareness practices in your days, really tangible things like having a timer on your phone once a day to uh, cue you to breathe and take a breath and ask yourself, how am I feeling? What's going on in here? You know, actually just sitting with that. It sounds too simple almost like really, why would I just schedule a one minute break and yet that self-awareness creates that gap between instantly reacting and deciding how you're going to react or like you said at the end of the day when maybe you've had a really challenging day with a child and you know that the way you just engage is not the way that you wish you had then visualizing and saying okay how would I like to show up in that moment mm -hmm. I, I mean and recognize those patterns when they happen too because you're mm -hmm. going to start to notice that oh like I yelled at my kid like a week straight, right? <laughs> you try, like, I mean, most of us yeah. try not to yell at our kids. But most <laughs> so, of us yell at our kids. Most of us yell at our kids. Yeah. And a lot of times it comes together. Like we find, yeah. like, you know, you yell one day and then you're like, okay, I, like I, I had a bad day. You move on. But then you yeah. yell the next day and maybe you're, okay, it's been a couple stressful days. Let's move on. But yeah. then it, it happens again. And then you start to feel guilty. because you're like, what kind of parent am I? I've just yeah. yelled at my kid for like three days in a row. But yeah. that's also because our, we tend to use the same pathways, right? Uh -huh. So if we give ourselves grace, take a moment and breathe, and then take a moment to visualize doing it a different way, how we could have solved that problem again, then we're not going to be reinforcing that pathway quite right. so much. And this is not a short-term solution. No. <laughs> this is a long-term solution, but that's part of the growth mindset is that we're actually signing up to accept that we have some growth to do. And um, between you and me, when I was at your stage, I was pretty convinced, uh, actually maybe two years before your stage, by the time my daughter, my first daughter was about two, that was when I started realizing, I don't think I have this thing figured. I read a lot of parenting books. I should have had this figured. Nope, <laughs> I definitely do not. Yeah, what well, I mean, I studied, I basically more or less studied to be a parent, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then it's like, so I expected it to be almost easy. Like I knew uh -huh. there was going to be challenges. I, I knew it was like going to be hard and I was going to be pushed <laughs> beyond my limit. Yeah. But I didn't expect it to be as hard as it is. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. You, you're just different when you're living it. <laughs> it is definitely. <laughs> when you're different. theorizing about yeah. it. Yes, it is. For me, I've, it's always been, it continues to be where I'm aware that each of my kids in different ways are mirrors into my soul. Mm 
and there are things that I need to deal with. And just like you spoke about recognizing the pattern, sometimes it takes a very long time for you to get clear on what is that pattern, because I would like to break that pattern two years ago or something. And actually, it it doesn't always work like that. But if we and this is if we don't sign up for that growth, if we don't sign up to accept the reality of this life that we are going to grow And that's what it's all about. You know, every time I look outside, we, I obviously live in a place that has a lot of seasons at four to be specific. (laughs) Um, And it's very distinct seasons. You can see how the trees lose, lose their leaves. Then the snow comes and everything goes dormant. And then it starts to get really mucky and muddy and rainy and it's spring and things start greening up again. And then it's right now in the beautiful summer and everything's green and flourishing that's how this life is. We are always going through seasons and we're always in growth. And I know from experience, and I certainly see it um, either with certain clients or just people in general, we don't always want to sign up for growth. We would like to get the quick fix. Thank you. And let's just give me something transformational that I don't have to do. You can do for me. And I will sign up to read the book or do the course or something, and then I'll be done and I got it figured. But it is one step. And those things are useful, but it's one step. And there's another step. There's a self-awareness step. You sign up to actually look at yourself and say, who actually am I? What are my triggers? Or what are my neural pathways? Or where do I need to grow? And then you sign up to agree that maybe this isn't your strong suit, but what could be the things or the tools that I could practically use. And then finally, when you get tired of doing whatever you've been doing for long enough, you go, okay, fine. What do I need to do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a really good description of the journey. Um, And and I think that's the same. It's the same journey we take in like every area of our life, we think, oh, I've done this thing. I've, I've got this now. And yeah. it's like, oh no, I don't yeah. have this. Like, <laughs> exactly. This other thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think like a big part of the overwhelm is letting all of those expectations for ourselves yeah. like overwhelm us. Because um, if you live in the moment and you think of just right now and what's happening and the things I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. don't feel overwhelmed most of the time. I mean, sometimes, you know, like when I am cooking dinner and I have a screaming two-year-old and my four-year-old is getting into something uh, or taking something, he likes to take things apart, <laughs> taking something apart and <laughs> like engineer. Of toy all over. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's overwhelming in the moment, yeah. but I know that moment's going to pass. Yeah. So as stressful as it is in that moment, it's not the end of the world. But when overwhelm overcomes me it's because I'm thinking about what's going to happen in a year from now from now Mm -hmm. and what's been happening the last like five or like almost five years of of the time that I've had my kids um and I'm looking at this big picture and I'm you know concerned with all of these things that have been going on um and we have to let go of some of the things we've done in the past. You know, we, we, if we're looking back and we're saying, how come I didn't reach this milestone two years ago? Mm-hmm. Well, then yeah. we're not going to be in a position of growth. We're going to be mm-hmm. frustrated. We're going to feel in that I can't area. Um, and we have to add the yet, right? So, yeah. um, and if we're also, if we're looking too far ahead and we're going like, you know, ah, it'll be better when, you know, when my child hits this age or this stage, yeah. 
and, and we, we, we tell other parents that a lot, right? Like we'll say, oh, you know, you're in a hard stage right now. Your kids are young, but when they're a bit older, it'll get easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we kind of cling to that. Well, in another year, it'll be easier. And then we get to another year and it's like, there are a whole new set of challenges that I'm facing right now. So exactly. we really do have to focus and on that. And that is now. the answer, by the way. <laughs> There's right. always a whole new set of challenges. <laughs> <laughs> but how you frame it, you're saying, actually how you frame whatever the challenge is right now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, when it comes down to m- mental health and your own mental health, it's more right. about how you're reacting to things and exactly. what you're telling yourself yes. and the th- experiences you've had and the experiences you will have. Um, because like, that's everything when it comes to, to mental health is, you know, are you upset because, oh, this, like, I've failed, I've done this, I've done this wrong. Um, or are you saying, are you giving yourself grace and saying, I've made a mistake here, but I'm recognizing this mistake, so I don't have to make it again. Um, this is a growth process. I am growing and I am learning. Um, and you're going to find that you, you feel a lot better about yourself when you're taking into account your own humanity. Um, and then you're, because we can get these like really negative, um, thought patterns that can Mm -hmm. really spiral when we let ourselves blame ourselves for the things that, that have happened. Um, while it's easy if we to just... do that, but if I think if you think of yourself as speaking to your friend, you know, if you know, going back to maybe a moment where we we're talking about losing our patience with helping our child learn math, um, in whatever way you lost your patience, and you know, you don't want to lose your patience like that, you wouldn't say to your friend, Yeah, yeah, you really shouldn't be a parent. I just don't think you should be doing this. You should just send them back, which actually would be painful, but you can just, you should just leave, just go to a nice vacation, just let them be, or you're just a bad parent. You should sign up for, you know, I don't know, anger management classes, or, you know, you should go do penance by, you know, whatever. And you could do that, but you wouldn't do that. You would say, I'm really sorry. That was a bad day. I see you with your kids though. And I see that you're patient. I see so many times where you're patient or I would have lost it too. Or you fill in the blank, but you would never have said, yeah, you're bad. You should feel bad. And yet we do that really well with ourselves. Yeah. We're, we're our harshest critiques to our yeah. own selves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. Um, framing it when you're, you're in our thoughts as if you're talking to a friend, that's actually, yeah. um, it's actually probably really, really helpful. Um, you can even uh, name your growth mindset and your fixed mindset because everyone Tell has more. both. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, um, one of the most powerful growth mindset things that I found is to recognize your fixed mindset because mm. we're always focusing on like creating a growth mindset and going towards a growth mindset, and we don't always take the time to recognize where our fixed mindset is. Right. Um, okay. Because we can have a fixed mindset in lots of different areas. Like it might be something like math <laughs> where yeah. it's like we've come into problems with this area and we just feel like this is I something that we're never going to be good at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, but it also can be stuff like your personality. Like mm-hmm. we tend to describe ourselves in a fixed mindset in fixed mm-hmm. mindset words. Like we say, I am stubborn period. Yeah. Right. Not I'm feeling stubborn. Right. Not I'm, 
like having a hard time overcoming this. Mm-hmm. I am stubborn. And I think we've been encouraged to describe our personality from an early age because that's one of the exercises I remember doing in school is like choosing adjectives, right? For yourself. Um, right. And uh, that that can be really limiting because then we, you know, when you run up into a problem, then instead of flexing or turning around it, you go, well, I'm just stubborn, <laughs> which is fixed mindset. Right. Um, so recognizing where a fixed mindset is and labeling it, you can give it a name. And then when something comes up, you can say, ah, that's just, so my, my fixed mindset self is Yennefer. Um, I don't know if you've, um, if you've watched The Witcher. No. There's a, it's a great show. Um, on Netflix and there's uh, Yennefer of Rivendell in it. And it was just one of the characters. And I picked up on that. I was like, that's going to be my, uh, my fixed mindset name is Yennefer. Oh, so I then love whenever it. I, you <laughs> know, awesome. Whenever I get too stubborn or worse, because that's one of my, uh, my, I guess, characteristic traits that I would have described myself with is I'm a stubborn person. Right. Um, whenever I get too stubborn, I'll go, ah, this Yennefer coming out. <laughs> you just tell her that's to go away. That's a great way to do that. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of I'm, similar in a way, right? Yeah. You're, you're separating that. Separating. That's the key. Creating yeah, space. From, yeah. from being you. You're saying, yeah. this is something that is part of me, but it doesn't have to be me. Yes. I heard um, Jay Shetty speak on um, Think Like a Monk. So he's reading, or he's reading his own book, Think Like a Monk on Audible. And he said that instead of saying, I am sad or I am upset, it's I feel sad. I feel upset. So it's exactly what you're saying to identify that this this isn't you. This is your experience of what's going on right now, but it isn't you. And the same um, or similar thought that I have from Renee Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart, she has helped me understand that I need to learn how to express my emotions or identify my emotions with a much more specific way or in a much more specific way, rather than just saying, I'm angry, or I'm whatever it is, if I'm angry, I could be frustrated, I could be, um, you know, I'm I'm actually blanking right now, which is hilarious, because that always happens to me when I'm trying to find adverb or uh, adjectives um, at certain points. But anyways, there's like these breadths of possible identity or adjectives that could be attached to anger, but they're not all just I'm angry, they could be frustrated or confused or triggered, or I don't know, I can't actually. Yes, thank you. I'm I'm in very interesting that I'm blanking on that right now. Because that's my whole point is to actually expand your your vocabulary on a specific word so you can identify and get way more connected to that experience. But you're not angry, you're feeling angry so it's creating a distance like you're saying mm-hmm. yeah and and if you find yourself saying i am so angry add right now on the end it's kind of like adding yet right i'm now. so angry Good. right now yeah and then it diffuses it right it makes it it makes you even realize that okay this isn't a state i'm in forever right this is the moment it's going to pass right yeah beautiful yeah too. yeah yeah, actually, um, even that, that reminds me er, in my early days when I was first beginning to approach my emotions and recognize that I have them and it's okay to feel them, which was, you know, my late teens. Um, at that time, I remember someone saying that your feelings or your even your thoughts, but your feelings are things that just pass in the sky and they actually will dissipate 
quicker than you think they will. And I don't remember what the exact number of seconds it is, but we actually experience the really intense emotions in a very brief period. They won't overwhelm you because they will pass quickly, actually. When we resist them, I think we almost hold on to them longer. But when we allow them to just be and realize that we're having this experience and they do actually pass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then and I think the the power of adding the right now is that like, right now it's mm-hmm. great to um, come up with these different words and like describe our, our anger or feeling more. Um, and that's really, really helpful. But just like you've blanked right now, when you're in a state of anger, <laughs> how likely are you to be like, I am currently feeling like I'm a little bit annoyed at you for doing this specific thing right now. <laughs> exactly. If you're in that point, like that's great, great for you because you've reached a whole new level here and, and you're, you're succeeding. Um, but most like you're, most of us, when we hit anger, we're just, I am so angry. Yes. Um, so that's something we can tack on after that really intense emotion right now and then we can be like let me explain because i'm annoyed at you for this thing you did yeah and sometimes it's creating space it's actually stepping away but when we're in that moment i've learned actually sometimes you need to literally step away before you're actually responding if you don't know how to engage in an appropriate way in a way that you want to show up that you actually just step away until you can yeah but well and I, i actually had someone advise me saying like so I was talking to them and I was saying, how do you handle things when, because I know how to act. I know how to act with my kids. I have learned it really well in a professional setting. Yeah. I am always calm and collected mm-hmm. and, but I have, you know, I have my morning coffee to like, get me ready. I have my drive. I have my music. I have, nobody's you know, I talking to work. you. Yeah. Yes. After work, I get a shower. <laughs> I get, you know, I, you know, I'm ready for the next day. Um, but in with my kids, there's no separation. There's no break. So yeah. um, I'm not always at my best. And no, sometimes you haven't slept all night. You know, yeah. maybe you haven't slept for a few years. That was my <laughs> at your stage. You haven't slept yeah. for a few years. That right there is a setup. That but is, um, tough. yeah, lack of sleep is the first thing. But then the exercise, you want to burn off some tension. But then Absolutely. you have kids always coming at the most convenient moments. You know, so you kind of partly learn that over the course of time, um, but also it's overwhelming. It is overwhelming. So then you have to figure out what you're going to do with that. So her advice to me was to say, was to say, model what you want your kids to do. So if mm-hmm. you're feeling really angry, if you're feeling really frustrated, if you're hurt, if something's happened, model what you want your kids to do. So if you want your kids to take a step away and take a break, then you say to your child, I am feeling angry at you right now because of the thing, like, because of whatever you've done, or, you know, if you, if you don't have that, you know, uh, control to say that you say, I am so angry at you right now because of the things you've done. I'm going to take a step away from you for a moment. I'm going to have a little bit of time to myself and then I'll come back and talk to you about this. Um, and model that, that, you know, what you want them to do, because then you can have your space, you can have your time, even if that's just a moment, because they might be young enough that you can't really step Leave away them for 10 moments. minutes. Yeah. But if you take that physical space on the other side of the room where you can still see what they're doing, um, mm. that can make a big difference for you. And it also shows them what, what you want them to, 
to do. And we know that kids are way more likely to do what they see us doing than what we tell them to do. So the true. Yeah. <laughs> that is something that I would not want to hear if I was at your, your stage of parenting is that more is caught than taught, but is absolutely true. Yeah. Absolute truth. That's about maybe the only thing that I would actually speak about parenting is that more is caught than taught. And not to say that to people because they should feel bad. It's just like it is your reality that whatever you say doesn't really matter unless you do it, then it matters. I would love to hear what kind of growth mindset books you would re- um, recommend to the listeners. Um, so the, uh, the, the main one is like, do I have it on my shelf that I can uh, make sure I have the title right? Um, but it's uh, gro- it's growth mindset by yeah growth mindset by Carol Dweck. That's the that's yes. the main one. Yeah, that's the best yeah. starting pl- point. Um, and uh, that's where that she's the one that uh, coined the term growth mindset and um, de- developed studies for it. So it's really really interesting to read it and get. Um, she talks about. Uh, you know, she talks a little bit in there about um, labeling your fixed mindset as well. And so that's definitely the my number one recommendation for growth mindset books. Well, it was such a pleasure chatting with you, Jennifer and Jennifer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to come up with a name for my fixed mindset, too. I'm not sure. Terry. <laughs> I love that. You know what would you come up with? Okay, no, I, re- I really will. I think that's a really great idea. Um, the other thing, I just if you have any other thoughts that you'd like to share with the listeners, anything that you want to leave them with to to encourage them to focus on the growth mindset in their homeschools or in their family life. Um, yeah, so I think um, the big thing is to remember that you know, sometimes we're like, okay, I got to fit in a growth mindset section of my day or something. Yeah. Um, but remember, it's not really like a lesson that you do. It's something that you do throughout your day. So uh-huh. try and remember to kind of infuse all of the things you're doing um, in your day with growth mindset. So um, encourage your kids to use the word yet. Um, try and be as specific as possible when your children have done a good job. Um, if you see, uh, let's say some artwork they've created, wow, I really like try and explain something that you like about it. Even if they're in a, you know, scribble stage like my daughter is. Um, wow, I like the colors you used. Um, I like how broad your strokes are. You know, whatever you uh, can can tell them about that work that they've done will help yeah. them improve. Same with um, a, you know, assignment they've written. Oh, you put a lot of detail into this part. Um I can tell you were really passionate about this topic because you really researched it. Um, You know, describing what you liked will help them grow in those areas. Um, And, uh, and then being okay if it doesn't seem to be working right away, because again, like my son, he just decided that he did not want to use yet anymore. And when I said, (laughs) okay, you know, he'd say, I can't do it. I'd say, yet? He'd say, no, I don't want to say yet. Um, but you can, if you're watching them learn and the way they're learning, the way they're tackling problems, you can see if it's, if it's sinking in. Yeah. Um, you know, I've noticed my kids, you know, my, my youngest daughter is a little sponge, right? She sees everything her brother does. Yeah. And um, she was trying to figure out a puzzle. She got a piece in and she goes, I tried and tried and I did it. Um, and it was just like this great moment because I knew, oh, these lessons are sinking in. Um, so if you watch what they're doing, you'll start to notice, oh, these are sinking in, even if it doesn't 
necessarily seem like it yes <laughs> at the time so um yeah that's what i would say is is trying to infuse it into your day um whatever areas you don't have to make a special growth mindset um time always great to fit in a little bit of you know uh like neuroanatomy here and there <laughs> yeah, um, to understand course. the brain but uh and you can do that by finding your books online so where do we find your books yeah so they are on my website um jennymouse.com um, you can also find them. I have a distributor, so they do pop up on most online websites. So Amazon, um, Walmart.ca, believe Barnes and Noble, um, most online retailers will ha- that sell books um, will have um, copies as well. So you can kind of pick your favorite online store, or if you do shop from JennyMouse.com, you will be able to purchase a side copy. So um, I love yeah. that. So J E N N Y M O U S E. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I love that. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for sharing and helping us to embrace the growth mindset. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me today. I'd love to hear your thoughts on any of the things we've chatted about. So head over to capturingthecharmlife.com. If you're looking to enhance your homeschool community with a supportive, authentic community where you can be authentic too, be supported and offer support to other homeschool mamas, then you're invited to the Homeschool Mama Patreon support group. You can find that over at patreon.com slash homeschoolmamaselfcare. I'm looking forward to getting to know you and your homeschool family. So until next week, I hope you and your homeschool kids can turn your homeschool challenges into your homeschool charms. You got this, girlfriend.